I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Hey there, Prakapton. Welcome back. This week, we're going to do something a little bit different because I made a mistake. I was in such a rush to get ahead of our production schedule by a month, which is really hard to do when you're doing four episodes a week, that I actually missed this week in that process. I don't know how I did that. ADHD brain, that kind of thing just happens to me sometimes. So this week, I'm going to read our three most popular Substack articles. If you would like to subscribe to our Substack, it is entirely free. And you can do that by going to stoicismpod.substack.com or read.stoicismpod.com. Again, totally free. And we'd love to have you as a subscriber. We're almost at a thousand, which is pretty cool because we only started our Substack about, I don't know, six months ago, maybe something like that. Anyway, the first is a new one, actually, and it's trending so quickly that I thought it was worth sharing. It's one I've written, and it is entitled, Would the Ancient Stoics Have Been Against the Mistreatment of Animals? A little bit of background on this article, Massimo Pilucci, who is, the, of course, the author of How to Be a Stoic, a rather popular book within the Stoicism community at large, he and I had this very friendly disagreement on whether or not the ancient Stoics actually would have cared about or really did care about animal well-being. Massimo says that they had no consideration or care for the well-being of animals as animals were not gifted with the ability to reason. And so they were seen as tools and basically like gifts of nature to humans. I agree with some of what Massimo says there, and I'm paraphrasing pretty strongly, but you'll get the gist of it in this article as I reference and quote what he actually said. But there's a significant part of it that I disagree with, and it's actually a bit of a nuanced part, but I hope that you find this article interesting. And if you do, please consider again subscribing to our free Substack by going to read.stoicismpod.com. I will start the article now. Again, it is entitled, Would the Ancient Stoics Have Been Against Mistreatment of Animals? such as in the way factory farming mistreats animals. In a substack note that you can read here, Massimo Pigliucci, author of Figs in Winter, Stoicism and Beyond, here on Substack, and of course the book How to Be a Stoic, and I entered into a friendly exchange about whether or not the ancient Stoics 
would have had much of anything to say about the eating of meat when the eating of meat necessitated preventing animals from living according to their nature, more plainly, especially when it resulted in their mistreatment. I, for my part, am firmly in the yes-they-would camp, Massimo in the no-they-wouldn't camp. He said, For the ancient Stoics, animals fulfill their nature when they are used by humans for their benefit. Humans' benefit, that is. This is very clear from a number of texts. They did not consider animal suffering a problem. It wasn't on their radar. So I think in order to make the argument you wish to make, and with which, again, I agree, you need to move to some version of modern Stoicism that drops the cosmos as a living organism concept and the related argument from design. Another way to put this, the ancient Stoics were concerned solely with rational animals, and they thought the only rational animal is Homo sapiens. I would, of course, encourage you to read the full text of that exchange for context, fuller context, and it is linked in the article that I am now reading. Massimo is an atheist, unless something has changed, and was, at one point, part of the modern Stoicism camp, so it is not unexpected to see this, quote, I think in order to make the argument you wish to make, you need to move to some version of modern Stoicism that drops the cosmos as a living organism concept and the related argument from design, end quote, in his response. Also, in his own words, Massimo is a Stoic with a significant peppering of Ciceronian skepticism. And so I think it's fair to think of him as still being part of that camp, modern Stoicism, that is as I doubt a Ciceronian skeptic would have much tolerance for the claims of ancient Stoicism. I agree that the ancient Stoics found absolutely nothing morally wrong with the consumption of meat per se. Some of them, such as Zeno, Seneca, and Musonius, found the eating of meat to have a clouding effect on men's minds and so suggested the ideal diet either shouldn't include it or should include a very small amount of it. Importantly, this wasn't for animal welfare reasons. It was for the you-need-a-clear-mind-to-be-an-effective-stoic reasons. Quote, On the subject of food, he used to speak frequently and very emphatically, too, as a question of no small significance, nor leading to unimportant consequences. Indeed, he believed that the beginning and foundation of temperance lay in self-control in eating and drinking. On the other hand, he showed that meat was a less civilized kind of food, and more appropriate for wild animals. He held that it was a heavy food, and an obstacle to thinking and reasoning, since the exhalations rising from it, being turbid, darkened the soul. For this reason also, the people who made larger use of it seemed slower in intellect. And that is from one of the fragments of Musonius Rufus, underneath the chapter, if we could call it that, that one should disdain hardships. Now, I entirely agree with Massimo that the ancient Stoics took no issue with the eating of meat, nor do I contest the idea that some Stoics, for example, Chrysippus, viewed animals as being put on earth for the use of humanity. All of that, as far as I have ever read myself, is reasonable enough to say of the ancient Stoics. Where Massimo and I seem to disagree is on whether or not the ancient Stoics would find certain kinds of commercialized farming practices, and I will define that in a moment, un-Stoic. 
it is my position that they absolutely would, and that being the case, they would urge us to be very selective in choosing the meats we eat, since some choices would enable such unstoic behavior, and others wouldn't. To be clear about what I mean by, quote, modern commercialized farming practices, end quote, I am speaking of those farming practices that operate at a scale that results in a by-whatever-means-necessary sort of approach to maximizing meat or milk, etc., yields, and minimizing costs. This approach results in a few very unreasonable things, such as cramped quarters for animals, tail docking, to prevent aggressive behavior caused by being kept in cramped quarters. An example of that, you dock a pig's tail in cramped quarters because in cramped quarters, pigs are more easily agitated and will bite each other's tails in a sort of aggressive behavior. But that's only happening because they are in cramped quarters to begin with. Pigs are not meant to be in cramped quarters. The debeaking of birds is another example, while they are alive, and to prevent fighting in confined quarters, so kind of for the same reasons with the pigs. The use of growth hormones to artificially increase the size of animals for higher meat yields. Keeping cows in a state of permanent pregnancy so they produce milk for their entire lives, or as much of it as possible, until they can't and then they are slaughtered because they are quote-unquote now useless for any other purpose. And finally, restricting baby calves' milk intake so that the maximum amount of milk from the mother can go to product instead of to the calf. These are a few of the already well-known issues with commercialized farming, or what I will refer to as factory farming from here forward, as this label seems to better capture the motivation of such farms. I feel it necessary here to restate that I am not arguing that Stoics would be against the slaughtering and consumption of animals. Masonius Rufus notwithstanding. Massimo and I agree on that front. It is not out of a living thing's nature to die, or to be killed by a predator, or to be eaten. It is not out of a cow's nature, nor is it out of a human's for that matter. Death is part of every living thing's nature. Thus, dying, in general, in Stoicism, is not morally problematic. However, unjust killing is absolutely problematic in Stoicism. Modern Stoics, many of them being atheists or self-described agnostics, seem to be predisposed to seeing the worst in ancient Stoic reasoning, when any aspect of its theology or physics come into play especially. I would say, in fact, that the entire basis of the modern Stoicism movement is belief in the need to distance contemporary Stoic practice from the understandable errors due to ignorance present in ancient Stoicism. One such example, and there are plenty, is the influence of humorism in assessing people's natural dispositions. There is no argument to be made here. The ancient Stoics had some wacky ideas that absolutely do not hold up to modern scientific discovery and advancement. However, this, in some cases, zealous need of some modern Stoics to quarantine what they viewed to be the ridiculous, antiquated, wrong, and just plain useless aspects of ancient Stoicism finds modern Stoics often throwing the baby out with the bathwater, or in this case, selling the ancient Stoics short. Returning to the idea of unjust killing, it is context, approach, and reasoning that makes killing either just or unjust. 
Killing the person who has a knife to your child's throat when it is the only way to save your child from death is an example of just killing. Killing the barista who spells your name incorrectly on a paper cup containing your skinny vanilla latte because you find such a frequent mistake vexing is an example of unjust killing, also known more commonly as murder. When rearing an animal, using it for your own ends, or killing it for its meat, my position is that the ancient Stoics absolutely would have had some thoughts on the minimum quality of care and attention given to the treatment of animals because to fail to have thoughts of any sort on this would be to suggest that our treatment of animals has no bearing on our character, which seems impossibly wrong. Additionally, if they didn't, it could be considered sage-like behavior to beat animals to death for no reason, to torture them, too, and to be careless with them in general. As you hear that, does it make sense to you? Does it make sense, for example, that a sage would go fishing for a shark, cut off its fins to make a tasty soup, and then throw that still-living shark back into the ocean to drown, discarding it like some unimportant thing? Does it make sense that a sage would create technology to keep a cow perpetually pregnant to produce an excessive amount of milk over its lifetime so that humans would never have to deal with limited access to milk, specifically at the cost of that cow's ability to live according to its nature? Does it sound stoic to make decisions based strictly on the desire to avoid limitations that would require us to be tempered in our diets? The ancient Stoics revered nature and all that was slash is part of it. They were practitioners of a logos-centric philosophy, and so their consideration of nature, and all that was slash is within nature, could not have been anthropocentric, that is to say, human-centric, as Massimo seems to be suggesting with his opposing of my position. The ancient Stoics had to be reason-forward, logic-forward, consideration-forward, and I do not believe that they could have reasoned themselves to this seemingly ends-justifies-the-means position on animal welfare and treatment where the only thing that mattered was whether humans were never in want of anything. From where I stand, the ancient Stoics would have, one, believed it was just to kill and eat animals, two, been disposed through reason to having a certain reverence for all of nature, including its beasts, and three would have found the mistreatment of animals to be out of alignment with what was reasonable, necessary, logical, reverential to nature, appropriate, or, in a word, virtuous. But even if the ancient Stoics were anthropocentric, I don't think that actually changes anything in regards to their imagined position on the treatment of animals. Here's why. If the ancient Stoics believed both that animals were provided by nature for human use and that nature itself was God, then to mistreat the gifts of nature would have been to be less than reverential to God. To be less than reverential to God would have been to move away from virtue rather than towards it. Following this line of reasoning, I feel that the ancient Stoics would have been strongly against had it been around at the time, factory farming. That being the case, I feel it is the responsibility of any serious Stoic to choose, whenever it is possible for them to choose, to source meat only from more ethical farming operations. 
I simply do not see how this could not be true. If you would like to see this explored more fully, you can go to actualstoicism.com and purchase the rewatch or the video on demand access to our recent live event just this past Sunday on Stoicism and Diet. The minimum donation to purchase that access is just $1, so we keep it extremely accessible. And by the way, we hold these monthly live events and discussions once a month. And that makes sense. I just said monthly, so you probably you probably guessed that. But that is the end of this article. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to leave a comment on it, again, you can go to read.stoicismpod.com and you can find this article. Again, it's one of the more recent ones, if not the most recent, if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out. And we'd love to hear what you have to say. Thanks for listening today. I'm always glad that you're here with me. I'm always glad when you show up to listen. And until next time, take care. <laughs>